Community. Hey guys, welcome to Chaturanga, uh, the Mindful Life Practice podcast. I am Yasmin, and I'm here today with a very special guest who's also a host of this podcast. But plot twist <laughs> we're going to be interviewing the fabulous Alex McRobbs. Hi, Alex. Hi. Oh my God, this is so fun. I've never been a guest on a podcast before. I was going to say, how does it feel being on the other side? You're usually, even though we're on the other sides of the planet, it feels sometimes like you and I are like sitting at the same table and whoever we're interviewing is on the other side. Mm -hmm. But today it's all about you. Are you excited? I'm so excited. Amazing. So, uh, for all of you who are not Mindful Life Practice followers, um, uh, Alex is the founder of the Mindful Life Practice. And if it weren't for Alex, then we wouldn't have all of these amazing Zoom classes and workshops and meditation circles and sharing circles. And we have a book club and we have we have so much going on. There's always something new. There's like lectures and it's just it's it's amazing how you've created such a global community and uh we're coming on how long now how many months i think it's been five months now right march april may june july and we're pretty much august yeah (laughs) that's yeah that's how wild is that i was reading i um i have someone who's helping me right now doing some notes of Um, some of the classes I taught because I just wanted some of the stories and themes and whatever. And I was reading the transcription of a class I taught on March 31st. And I'm talking about my realization. I'm talking about, it was very surreal to be back reading me talking about how three weeks prior, I hadn't understood that coronavirus was something where we should be staying home. And I had flown to Bali and now I'm, and I, and I was talking about how throughout the yoga classes, you've seen, people have seen my mental shift of me realizing like, this is a really serious thing. And like, we need to stay home. And that was really interesting to read today. Cause I was like, I don't even remember saying that, you know? Um, and, and, and that's how this all really started, right. Us staying home because of COVID. And, um, I mean, I guess that speaks to how long the quarantine has been as well. Five months. <laughs> It's yeah. And like, I mean, technically, I don't think although people are still saying we're in quarantine, I don't really feel like we are anymore. Because to my knowledge, most places around the world, people are getting up and going and going on with their everyday lives. It's just kind of at like a slower, it's like a slower capacity than what we were doing before, not as fast paced, which is nice. It's, I'm, you know what, I'm into the new normal finally it's taken a while and you've definitely contributed a lot in that but I remember the beginning of the mindful life practice did just feel like we were all itchy and like feeling weird and awkward and you were just kind of like hi friends (laughs) I'm gonna start doing yoga is everyone okay if you feel like you need yoga I invite you to come do yoga with me (laughs) like that's (laughs) And I was 
like, hi, Alex, we haven't spoken in like three years, but I'm not okay. I need yoga, please. So. So happy when you messaged me. Isn't that so crazy too? Five months ago, we hadn't talked in like three years and now we talk every week. Basically, I talk to you more than I talk to my parents. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I love how my mom, like, like five months ago, my mom would have like never known who Yasmin is. And and now my mom's like, oh, that Yasmin from the podcast. <laughs> Alex's mom. <laughs> She's one of our regular listeners. Hmm? One of one your regular listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our regular listeners for sure. One of our greatest supporters. So um, I do what I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of people want to know about is you are also a life coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have been um, teaching yoga for six years um, and that, wow, six years. That's, it's a long time. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, um, was kind of hitting a point in my, well, I was always very interested in psychology. I was always interested in, um, wanted to get a psych degree, um, and then ended up dropping out of psych, um, when I was at university, probably because I was partying so much, um, and did a degree in gender studies, which is like feminist studies. Um, and then I came out to Kuwait to teach and I always kind of had this interest sort of into psychology and, um, I was interested in doing a degree in counseling. And then, um, I went to, actually it was Dan, who was our guest a couple weeks ago, who, who set me on the path of life coaching. Um, I was interested in going back to do my master's in counseling and he was like, you should become a life coach. And at that point, I didn't really know much about what life coaches did. Um, and now looking back on it, it just makes so much sense that my coaching fits in so well with what I do with the Mindful Life practice. Um, but at the time when I finished my, before the Mindful Life practice existed and when I did my coaching certification, um, I just wasn't sure how it would all fit together. Um, and now it fits together very beautifully. Hmm. That's amazing. And you know what? It's, it's so interesting. Just, I've never had a life coach. Like I've been, I've seen therapists, um, and I've seen Dan, but how does life coaching work exactly? Like without being super, uh, without being super revealing about, you know, what you do with your clients and their respective stories and everything, but just like in a super basic kind of way, how do you, how does it go? So that is a question. Um, well, a question I'm often asked is like, how does a coach compare to a um, counselor or a consultant? That too. Yes. So a counselor, I would say, are more trained to deal with um, more serious psychological uh issues, whether it's trauma, um, mental health struggles, um, anything like that is kind of in the realm realm of counseling. And consulting is like when you go to someone for advice, Um, like go to a 
for consultation on a business, for example. Um, and coaching um, is different and really unique because it's more about taking the person where they are today and helping them propel to where they want to be. And I've often heard the expression of like, you have the two poles and you have a elastic band around these two poles and it's really, really tense. Um, you're this far away from where you are here versus where you are, where you want to be. And coaching kind of brings you closer and closer so that the band gets more relaxed. <laughs> and um, so yeah, coaching is very action oriented. Um, so it might be, for example, like um, making all of the steps to, or delving into um, all of the potential career options that a person might have and weighing out the pros and cons and sorting them out and then coming to find what the right career for them is in the end. Um, like that would be a very vague example of coaching. Um, and then making an action step plan of how to get them there. Uh, so it's different than like, I don't know. I remember I saw a lot of counselors in my, um, in my past and um, no one was ever able to help me like clearly line up kind of how to move forward, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, does that make sense? That does make sense. And you know what, it's true because like in therapy or in counseling, it's usually about your feelings, right? It's usually about your feelings. And sometimes like, I mean, I had a session or two where like my therapist would be like, okay, so if you feel overwhelmed and you can't get things done, let's number the importance of stuff. Like, so there's always like a little tactic that's kind of introduced into everything to make you feel like you're more productive or whatever. But I always thought that life coaching was different. And I've always personally seen a dramatic change in people when exactly. they do a life coach. Yeah. I've always felt tempted to do it, <laughs> to like, you know, seek out a life coach. But yeah, I probably should. I feel like you know me too well, though. So I don't know if I would go to you. Well, you know what? One of the best, one of the best people that I coached actually was one of my best friends from high school. Really? Yeah. And I, I, that was at the very beginning. I had to have three free clients um, who I coached. And I often wondered if we were so successful because I just knew her so well, mm -hmm. you know, that I was able to, um, kind of really figure out what skills would work for her. But um, what I was coaching her on was so different. She's actually the example I was just kind of talking about before when I said, you know, find a career. Like um, I, I actually chose to work with her because I needed to do, there was one project that I needed to do, which was like to help use the seven step path to career change or whatever. And so I seeked her out because I knew that that was something she was thinking about. And, um, but uh, yes, generally right now, I, I mean, I have worked with some people that are closer to me, but right now, all of my clients are people that I don't know, people I met mm -hmm. on Facebook or Instagram. Does it make a difference? I'm going to move towards my bed if I don't know them. Yeah. Well, the important thing is 
um, that you just don't want to have an agenda with coaching. Um, so you want to be non-biased and when coaching my best friend from high school, like her and I, um, like I don't have an agenda about what her career is, you know? And so that was not really a conflict in my view. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to steer her in any direction. Um, where it would be a conflict would probably be like, for example, if I started coaching my, uh, like, I was going to give the example of my dad, but I don't want to give that example. <laughs> I would, a family member or a significant other or something. Yeah. Or like, or a close friend who, okay. I want to give an example. Like if I had a close friend who I did not like their boyfriend and they came to me for coaching, the obvious thing would I would be always trying to get them to break up with their boyfriend, right? <laughs> and so that would be an issue um, because as a coach, you want to be non-biased. And, and that's something that I have recently really been working on because I'm doing so much sober coaching. And I realized that I, I really wanted people to stay sober forever. <laughs> when I started Sober Girls Yoga, I was like, I, I want all these people to discover how awesome being sober is. And I realized super recently that it's not about me and what I think. And it's not about whether I think they should be sober. I'm not coaching alcoholics. I'm coaching people that are trying to figure out whether their life is better with or without alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't be here telling them that they should not drink because I'm here to help them decide what they want to drink, how often they want to drink, if they want to drink. It's not about whether what I think about it, you know? And so, um, that's why it helps me that I, that I coach, um, people I'm not friends with, especially in my personal coaching. Um, yeah. So actually I did want to talk about you being a sober. Yes. Or have you changed it to sober life coach? Officially, mm. I've been following your. Have you been following the Facebook conversation? Of course, of course. I'm always following your journey on Instagram and on Facebook, you know, and I really appreciate how much you share with your audience. And I feel like anybody who's listening to this, who follows you as well, feels the same way that like you are a great storyteller about your life and about your journey and sharing it. And it's very open and, and inviting and inspiring. It's honestly extremely, extremely inspiring. Um, so yeah, what, what was the verdict on that? You were saying, should I change to sober life coach or sober coach? What, what are you? Interesting. So this is something I've come across in the world of sobriety. Um, and I'm going to start with when I first was alcohol free. I was about a hundred days alcohol free. And I joined how I quit alcohol was I saw an, a targeted ad on Facebook for one year, no beer. And I probably, because I had been Googling how to quit alcohol, how to quit alcohol, this ad came up and it made sobriety look amazing. Like it was this guy. I remember it was this guy's story about being a typical drinker. He's like, I wasn't an alcoholic. I just drank every I, every night I would go for a beer after work with my friends and, um, this made sobriety look appealing. And I was following one year, no beer, looking at these amazing stories of people changing their lives from quitting alcohol. And, um, I decided to sign up for it. And I just, the idea of AA never resonated with me. I didn't want to walk into a room 
I didn't want to say that I was an alcoholic. I didn't feel like I was necessarily at that point. And um, so anyway, that's how I joined One Year No Beer. I was 100 days alcohol-free. Um, and I met a couple, some people who had, were AA people and had shared with them that I had a drinking problem. I don't think I even introduced myself as an alcoholic because I don't really like that word. I think I said I had a drinking problem and um, they uh, started telling me that I needed to go to AA meetings. They're like, you have to go to meetings. You have to, everyone has to. And um, so I started Googling AA meetings in Abu Dhabi and I put them into my calendar. And the interesting thing was that I never wanted to go and I actually never went. Like I had them in my Google calendar for a while and I just never went. And my reasoning looking back is like, you know, I made it a hundred days without AA. Why would I need it now? Mm -hmm. And there's this real attitude in the sober world amongst AA people that AA is the only way to get sober. And so that's where this whole thing came about this week, actually, is that someone reached out to me and said, I'm extremely offended by the work you do because you've never been to AA. And they said that they found it extremely disturbing. And um, it was really upsetting for me because I was like, do people think what I'm doing is wrong? And I, I actually was speaking to a friend about it this morning when I went for a walk. And I was like, I feel like people have, this is the way Dan has described it. So I spoke on the phone to Dan about this this week. And Dan was like, the problem is, is that we bastardize the word sober. And we think that the word sober is a bad thing. And we think the word sober means that we have recovered from alcoholism. And that's why people have a problem with what I'm doing hypothetically, because they read that and they think that I'm here uneducated as a substance abuse counselor who's not actually a substance abuse counselor, helping people recover from addictions. I'm like, and I was on a friend, on a walk with my friend this morning. And I was like, no, that is not what I do at all. I talk to people who are like, I'm going to a party and my friends are peer pressuring me to drink. And I don't think I want to drink. And I don't like being hungover. Like that is what I do. Like I've had phone calls with people who cannot put down the drink when they're on the phone with me. And I've said to them, I can't help you because that's not what I do. Like, I don't help people that are that addicted to alcohol that they can't put down the drink right now. Like, I just think that I, the thing about having sober life coach or actually adding for gray area drinkers, I think some people didn't like that. I feel like that is maybe, I don't know. It's something I'm, I'm thinking about. I haven't changed it, but the point is the reason why I'm using the word sober is because I think there is this stigma around it. And I think people should be proud to define themselves as sober, as a sober girl. And, and it's not because I'm working with recovering alcoholics necessarily. There might be recovering alcoholics who want to join sober girls yoga. And like, of course they're welcome, but it's, I'm not using the word sober in the context that people might associate it with and that's on purpose because I want people to question that association. And I want people to see being sober as empowering. And anyway, this message kind of set off a spur of me being like, am I doing something wrong? I don't think I'm doing something wrong. And it all kind of spirals back to this whole idea that AA is the only way, which it's not, it's not for everyone. 
It isn't for everyone. Like, I mean, I know a bunch of my friends who have decided to give up alcohol. And it's not because necessarily they always had a drink in their hand. It would just be like when they're partying, they partied a little too hard. And to partying too hard it was a little too often, you know, and they just and they just don't want it anymore. But there's also this thing. This is what I like about what I what I take from like my like what my understanding is from what you do also just reminds me of like how when people are kind of like, oh, everyone's going to think I'm boring because exactly. I don't drink anymore or I'm going to a party and what if I get tempted? So it's cool that you have like this like casual kind of and trusting like communication with people to empower them, be like, it's okay that you're not going to drink. You know, it's okay that you don't drink and like remove the idea that drinking equals fun. Exactly. But what's a gray area drinker? Like, how do you define that? So, yeah, maybe that's why, (laughs) maybe that's why it's not the best word. Because it's obviously clear to me as a, as someone who's in the sober realm, and I've done so much sober reading and so much whatever, that I know what a gray area drinker is. And a gray area drinker is, um, basically, I'm using that term to differentiate So it's not like, so it doesn't say sober coach for alcoholics, you know, it's like sober coach for gray area drinkers. And what that means is like, you're not sure if your drinking is bad or good. Okay. Um, but as you asked me that question, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not clear enough on my website. So, (laughs) well, I, I'm, I'm not trying to make you doubt yourself. I'm just curious. (laughs) Sober life coach was a great suggestion though. Like, cause that's just like, I'm coaching you on your sober life. Like I liked that one. So, uh, another question I think we all have is that, have you turned your life coaching business into purely sober life coaching, or are you also coaching people who come to you with anything related to alcohol or as or wanting to be sober? I was thinking about that the other day because um, I've had some great coaching connections that are not around sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely would be open to it. It's just not my uh, niche. And um, I think that's okay because I think people end up like my colleagues in coaching end up coaching people who come to them for like all sorts of things. Like my coach who I hired a year ago, I don't even know what her niche was. You know, I just liked her. Um, and so I, I would definitely coach people in other areas. Um, but right now, sobriety is my, my focus. That's amazing. Oh, well, yeah. I tell my friends about you a lot, actually. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> One of them is newly sober. So I'm always connect us. Yeah, I hope they're listening to this episode. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> um, uh, so we've talked about the yoga sutras before. So in terms of like life coaching and sobriety, where do they fit in? Do you think in the yoga sutras? Do you think that this is part of like your yoga journey? That you're when as we live yoga, we don't just move yoga. I was thinking about that today, actually. Um, 
I spent some time this morning with someone who has been uh, less successful with their sobriety and I was, and it made me reflect on um, what are some of the key elements in my sobriety. And I think a lot of people say that one of the reasons why you need to do AA is because you need to do like spiritual spirituality and self-reflection and all these steps. And I was thinking that I really get that from yoga. And that is um, what helped me succeed in my sobriety. And um, so I really, obviously, I really believe in the power of yoga. And I think with the practice comes the study of the sutras. Um, and uh, there are certain elements of it, like brahmacharya. Um, I think we've touched on this before. Like mm-hmm. one of my friends asked me, like, he was like, well, how is that moderating if you've given up alcohol altogether? And I was like, well, I had addictive behavior towards it. So I had to give it up altogether. And that is my practice of brahmacharya, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think just learning about the the yoga sutras gave me a moral compass to live by. And um, that's the value I see in that. Which sutra would, uh, which yoga sutra would helping others like life coaching fall under? Like the closest thing, do you think? Probably um, Seva, which is selfless service. Ooh, because life coaching is actually, and counseling in general, it, it's very selfless. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's like, what are you getting out of it, really? Other than, sure, you know, they're paying you. <laughs> That's nice. But, like, as the root end of it is very selfless, you know, you're just genuinely helping people you're there for them you're you're with them on their journey to make their lives better Mm -hmm. that's really cool how long have you been sober again for 16 months Ooh. april of 2019 almost two babies have been born (laughs) since a good way of putting it (laughs) yeah it's been um it's interesting I wonder like when I made the decision to become a sober coach it's kind of unbelievable how much my um business took off um like I do sober calls I do coaching calls now almost every day and um in the time prior to before me becoming a sober coach my business was a bit more few and far between, you know, like I had two clients in the winter and then none for a while. And then one in the spring, um, like I didn't have so much regularity. And, and I wondered when I first became a sober coach, I was like, dang, I should have just done this all along. (laughs) And, um, I realized in retrospect that it was kind of a journey that I had to go on, like at three months sober, I didn't really have a lot of wisdom. I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I was just kind of figuring it out myself. Um, and now that I'm past the one year, I feel like I have a lot under my belt, um, where it just seems right to step into it now. Um, so I think it all kind of happens for its reason, you know, but you became a life coach before you became sober or was it around the same time? Um, so I became sober in April in May. I met Dan 
uh, Dan told me that I should become a life coach. And then I researched all these course coaching courses. And um, I chose the one I chose because I could do it online. Um, and it worked out for me in the summer. And I actually have my advanced coaching certification coming up with them in two weeks. Um, yeah. And so it will be unfortunately in the middle of the night because it's on California time, <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And then that is going to make me a, um, professional certified coach. Um, so right now I'm just a licensed certified coach, which is like the level one. So I'll be the level two, which will be great. That's amazing. Oh, well, Good luck with that. Sorry, I was going to say something and then I completely, I have to just um, get back to it. Um, well, no, that's amazing though. Are you excited? Yes. <laughs> is, it, is it like super intensive? Are we going to be seeing way less of you in the yoga studio? Yeah, I'm taking a week off. True. And so, we'll find more instructors for people to. Yeah, sell. all the other instructors, they'll try them. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, your vinyasa class was amazing today, by the way. Good. Thank you. It was absolutely awesome. And I felt refreshed. Honestly, I think that yoga is definitely one of your callings. Every time I'm in your class, like you're so good at communicating and just, just do you, is that why you implement, like, do you implement yoga practices in your life coaching? Like with your you do you recommend for them to come to certain classes or I know you started sober girls yoga and yeah it seems like a secret club like you know like <laughs> yeah, but. I'm actually moving it back to the mindful life practice it, it was on its own website for a short period of time I trialed it and it really um epically failed <laughs> because the reason why is because so many of the mindful life practice people um some of them are my yoga people, but some of them are my sober people. And um, you're right that it is a secret club because the rest of you guys wouldn't know who's in the secret club. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I separated it onto my other website and then that was just like too confusing for the sober people. Cause they're like, now I have to look at two schedules. It's just, nah, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, so anyway, sober, sober girls yoga is coming back to the MLP. Um, awesome. So it will be back on the schedule. I wish but, I was a sober girl. I don't drink enough though to to quit alcohol. <laughs> I don't think like I barely drink anymore. But when I do drink, I drink a little bit. I drink slightly too much, like one glass too much, you know? Yeah. But well, you yeah. can still be sober girl. You don't have to be, you don't have to drink a lot to you just take a month off and join our join our sober girls yoga challenge. I have been thinking about because like alcohol has not been enough of a thing for me to give up because like I barely drink really it's every couple of weeks I'll have like a few glasses of wine with a friend that mm -hmm. kind of thing but I have actually been thinking of doing a whole 30 soon oh and that would be alcohol free yes I did a whole 30 when I did my first 30-day yoga challenge at a live yoga I was doing a whole 30 simultaneously and I loved it. It was so difficult, but there was this one day I went to this party. And so you're going to relate to this completely as a sober, as a sober person, but I went to this party and I was so freaked out by it because 
it was like hosted by this guy who I liked and he invited me to this party and it was at the very end of my whole 30. Like mm -hmm. I was 22 or 23 days in. So I was like, oh, if I cheat now, then it's just going to undo so much. And it's not like it's day 29, you know, but also at the same time, I was like, even if it was day 29, I just can't do it. So I went armed with like some Pellegrino yeah. and <laughs> it was, first of all, it was a horrible party. It was like, it had completely gone out of control. It felt like, like we were at 28 and it felt like it was a high school party. <laughs> but yeah, no, this party, I was sober for it. And to date, I think this was the only party I've ever been to where I didn't have a drink. One of the only ones. Uh, but definitely the first one since I was like in high school or something. And... I saw how ridiculous everyone was around me. Mm -hmm. People were so obnoxious. People were disgusting. I had to stay at this party completely sober. And I was <laughs> this guy, so I wasn't leaving, but I kept losing him because there was like 200 people in his gigantic <laughs> basement. And at one point I just, I was like, why am I here? But it felt so good. It felt so good driving home sober. I remember that, yeah. to be honest. But yeah, it, that was a moment I was really, really proud of. You know? Our episodes really <laughs> go all over the place. Don't <laughs> Where did we leave off? Um, so... How are you implementing yoga practices though? And so, so that's what we were talking about. Like, do you think you, about. <laughs> you, you think yoga helps like the product? Do you recommend your clients to go to yoga as, to implement yoga as part of their like daily practices to keep on track or? Yes. Um, yeah, the big, the most successful thing I've done so far is, um, the sober 30 day, uh, yoga challenge. And I think that, um, I think it's really important to have a mindfulness practice, to have a movement practice, to have something, a spiritual part of your journey, like something to keep you, um, going in the right direction. And, um, yeah. So I, um, yeah, I think it's a key part of it, but I mean, everyone's, everyone's journey is different. Um, but yeah. It's like you would recommend anything that they're into as well. That's therapeutic, like running or music. art or exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All music. Hmm. So yeah, no, when I do a whole 30, then Yes, join us, 100%. I mean, I, I hope Christine is not listening to this because I could barely survive 10 days of no sugar. That was really hard. <laughs> that was really, really hard. I didn't do it either. You didn't, you didn't finish it either? When did, you, when did you give up? I never even started. I said to her, I said to her, oh, I would like to do that. And she started sending me emails to me. The emails were cute though. I really... I felt bad. I did well. I started, okay, so I was supposed to start like on the Sunday, but then um, I, uh, well, Felipe gave me a Brazilian snack. It 
was like a pack of these like weird chips and I accidentally ate them all. And they had, it said like 23 grams of sugar. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so I started the next day and I told her, I was like, I feel bad. I started the next day. Also, it's my birthday on Sunday. She was like, you can make your own cake. <laughs> next thing I know, I'm doing amazing all week. And then it's Friday night and oh god okay a friend of mine had me over for dinner and she was like this wine is really good and then I ended up drinking wine and then I had cheesecake and then the rest of the weekend was just like oh god it ended with me eating an ice cream cone at like 11 p.m on Sunday walking home happily being like this is my birthday cake So yeah, I'm kind of trying it again. But the thing I don't like about the whole 30 is it's not the alcohol, it's the no bread. I can't, I love bread. Mm. I love bread. I wish there was an app called like yeast free for me or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like one year no beer? Yeah, like one year no beer. Like something I should probably like create a support group for that <laughs> uh. but yeah so yeah or maybe I should find a health coach do you do health coaching <laughs> I would be the worst health coach oh my <laughs> you'd god like, you'd be like step one let's order pizza and have- <laughs> <laughs> you know I need a health coach I have a health coach actually Bryony comes to the yoga classes. Oh, cute. Yeah, she was there today. She was there today. Yeah, I love her. We have our calls and she's just like, Alex, why are you eating so much takeaway? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Honestly, I would love to have a coach for everything. I want to have a health coach. I want to have a life coach. I want to have a tennis coach. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to play tennis. <laughs> so sober coach. <laughs> I do want to have a sober coach, but like I just really don't think I need a sober coach. I it sounds like I do because I couldn't nope. resist I couldn't resist that glass of wine when I shouldn't have been drinking it, I guess. I just need to know how to resist alcohol when it's time to. Mm, that's you something know? that a sober coach could help with. That's true. Uh, drinking <laughs> is kind of passe. It's true. Like uh, so many people around me are like giving it up, and That's there's awesome. it is nice waking up without a hangover. Yes, it's wonderful waking up without a hangover. Mm-hmm. So yeah, listeners, go to Alex if you've been flirting with this idea as well. Yes. Anyway, this is going to be another short and sweet episode, I think. Uh, but is there anything that you wanted to say to feel complete? Anything you want to tell our listeners? If anyone wants to reach out to you, how um, does that work? The, no, this was really awesome. Um, I have a secondary website that's about um, sober coaching. 
um, alexmcgrobs.com. That's where you can find all my sober coaching details. Um, sober girls yoga is going to be back on the mindful life practice schedule, um, starting this week. So yeah, that's that. Amazing. And, uh, mindful life practice rumor has it. There's another 30 day challenge happening. Yes. Oh my God. I could not resist people. People want to do it every month. Um, we get new members every month, people that are interested. So I, uh, I've just accepted that it's a monthly event. <laughs> That's amazing. Honestly, I'm down. Okay, great. So thank you so much, Alex, for taking the, the hot seat today. It's thank been you fun. Yeah. I always love being on this thing with you. You know what, Alex, before you go, I want to do something fun with you. Okay. So a week ago, I was just playing around on Instagram and there was a really fun thing <laughs> where, have you ever seen like on, I, I, is it Jimmy Kimmel? I always get them mixed uh, up. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the random generator, this. Yeah, do you want to do one? Yes, are you going to make me sing a song? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Since we're not in the same room together, we won't do the forehead thing, or I'm just gonna do it for me and I'll tell you what it is and then you sing it. All okay. right? Okay. So, starting off Britney Spears, Bad Guy. Do you know the song Bad Guy? No. That, I know that one comes up sometimes. Okay, we'll do another one. Christina Aguilera, Senorita. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> All I can think of is Christina's like, oh, you know that? <laughs> Yeah. Like a shirt. Yes. <laughs> you should be the one doing this. <laughs> um yeah, I can't do that. I'm too mortified. You can't. Third you time charm or no more. <laughs> Third time. That's it, my <laughs> Beyonce, truth hurts. Come on, you can That's do this. Truth hurts. Let's Why men wait till they gotta be great. I know that song, yeah. As the good DNA test turns out, I'm a hundred percent perfect. There you go. Is that how she sings? I don't know how Beyonce sings. <laughs> when I got Beyonce and like the Itsy Bitsy Spider, I did not know how she sang. So I did Destiny's Child because I used to listen to Destiny's Child. Yeah. At the end of their album, The Writings on the Wall, they have like the amazing rays. And so I was like, climbed up, climbed up the wall. That's great. I'm too on the spot. I can't do. You can't do, okay. All no. right, then I, I hide. I just wanted to add a splash of something fun. That was fun. <laughs> Your impersonations were fun. Leave them on. <laughs> Another plot twist, ladies and gentlemen. 
<laughs> All right. Well, if you guys had fun listening to this, please rate, share the podcast. And we are looking for guests. So please message us, DM us on our Instagram page at Chaturanga the Podcast and give us topics to talk about. Let us know if you want to join us. We record on Wednesdays. So you have time to submit your questions and give us your guest requests. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks again, Alex, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. The Mindful Life Practice Community.